I'm not constantly hungry. I'm not craving. I'm not ever feeling those sensations. So it's much more even keel energy. There's not these crazy spikes and then dips. So just from a practical standpoint, I think that's one of the biggest appeals to it. If you want to live like you matter, ditch the pills, look great, and feel freaking amazing, you're in the right place. I'm Dr. Wendy Trubo. I'm Dr. Ed Levitan. Welcome to the Five Journeys Podcast. Where we empower you to live a vibrant and healthy life by optimizing your structural, chemical, emotional, social, and spiritual lives. Hang on to your hats. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of the Five Journeys Podcast, Live Like You Matter. I'm Dr. Wendy Trubeau, and this is Dr. Ed Levitan. And today we're talking to Robert Sykes and his wife, Crystal Sykes, who are keto experts. So here we go. Robert Orion Sykes is a lifetime natural competitive bodybuilder. He has since dedicated his life to learning and teaching others the benefit of following a well-formulated ketogenic lifestyle. Robert now works along his wife, Crystal, and their amazing team to continually create content and add a ton of value within his community. His mission is, and will continue to be, empowering others to believe in themselves and truly tap into their full potential by optimizing their body and mind. Welcome, Crystal and Robert. Thanks for being here. Hey, thanks, thanks for having, having us. us. Yeah, no, this is really exciting. Yeah, really. First of all, we were just saying before that we never had a couple we interview us together, and it's nice to have somebody else to interview together. So I know, thank you. Like, have your back. Yeah, she's she's my better half. So anything that I say, as long as she agrees, we're on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're we're also really like keto is one of these things that is hugely popular, and we want to talk about like really what besides what keto is, which we have to define, but why is it so popular? What benefits and like really. Is it the same for men and women? So we love that you are both on to really yeah. get a give us perspective. So maybe let's talk about what is ketogenic diet, like, and why do we even care? Yeah, so I mean, at a very high level, I would say a ketogenic diet is basically just a dietary protocol that forces the body to burn fat and ketones for fuel, as opposed to carbohydrates and glucose. Uh, it's kind of hardwired into our DNA from an evolutionary standpoint. Uh, we would become ketogenic in times of food scarcity, especially if those foods were carbohydrate based and we're relying more on our stored body fat or fats and proteins in our environment. Uh, we've been using it for, I've been using it for seven years. I've been, Crystal's been keto for six years now. Um, and we do it from an athletic standpoint as well, but um, we found it to be very sustainable. She's recovered from a lot of digestive issues. It's helped my performance uh, with bodybuilding. So we're just passionate about the lifestyle and passionate about sharing the information with others. Yeah, that's cool. pretty awesome. So what what are the other advantages? Can we talk about that? Um, so one of the big ones, honestly, is just that you've got more stable blood sugar and blood glucose, uh, being blood sugar, obviously. So like you're not going to have the crazy swings, the highs and lows from a blood sugar standpoint. So what, what would I feel <laughs> in my body? Like what are the highs and lows that I would actually feel? What are the benefits I would actually get? Yeah. So most people, uh, like for instance, let's think about Thanksgiving dinner. Like people have, uh, you know, go to Thanksgiving dinner, they eat all the, the pies, the pecan pies, pumpkin pies, all the, all the good desserts. Uh, then they go into like a food comatose afterwards. Um, they have a massive spike in blood sugar. And then they're pretty much like paralyzed for the next few hours because of that drop, uh, you know, huge rise in blood sugar and then that corresponding drop as their insulin secretion picks up. 
So we basically avoid all of that. Like we don't fixate on food. We don't think about food all day long. We eat twice, sometimes just once a day. So my productivity has just on a whole other level because I'm not constantly hungry. I'm not craving. I'm not I'm not ever feeling those sensations. So it's much more even keel energy. There's not these crazy spikes and then dips. Uh, so just from a practical standpoint, I think that's one of the biggest appeals to it. Um, and then you start, you know, looking long term from a longevity standpoint and having too high of a blood sugar over time, the glycation that that, you know, brings to the body that's very inflammatory. It's not really great from a longevity standpoint. Um, so all of my blood markers have improved since adopting a ketogenic diet. My HbA1c is like, I don't know, in the tank. I mean, I don't have any uh, inflammatory markers as a result of higher glycation levels. So that can all be mitigated by not having that much sugar in the diet to begin with. Um, so those, those are some high level, high level points that people typically look at when they're adopting a ketogenic diet. Yeah, I want to emphasize that because um, productivity, I think not only are you more productive, I think your brain gets clearer too when you get rid of the sugars, which makes you think clearer and actually make that thing up there work <laughs> yeah there's no uh hangry that we don't ever get hangry either you know people get hungry and they get angry um and then your productivity is obviously you know non-existent because you're just fixating on food uh so we don't really have that either well i actually i have a friend that just went ketogenic probably two three months ago and one thing that he remarked which was really cool was before ketogenic he was constantly thinking of his next meal like so much of his mind was he ate something and then he had a meal and the next thing he was thinking about is where he's going to get his next meal like it was occupying so much of his time and when he went ketogenic that goes away like or at least that was his experience and it's, it sounds like it's similar in terms of not having to think about you're not hungry so we're not as hungry so you, you eat when you need to eat but you're not constantly searching for food Right. I mean, if you think about it from just a physiological standpoint, if you're eating carbohydrates and glucose, your body can only store so much of that at a given point. So you eat a meal, your blood sugar rises, your body secretes insulin, your blood sugar drops. As your blood sugar drops, you become hungry. I mean, you have this increase uh, in hunger. Whereas once you become ketogenic and fat adapted, you don't have these swings in blood sugar. So you have that working in your favor. Plus, when you do uh, deplete the little bit of, you know, blood sugar that you do have, uh, you, you don't automatically feel hungry. Your body's able to tap into your stored fat for energy uh, very efficiently. Whereas if even if you have quite a bit of body fat that you're carrying, if you're not fat adapting, your body doesn't know to, to naturally go to that for fuel supply, you're going to feel hungry and you're going to go for your next carbohydrate meal. Whereas once you become ketogenic, your body is able to use the, the dietary fat and proteins that you consume. And then after several hours of that meal, where you would normally be hungry again, your body just simply transitions to, to burning stored fat. Uh, so there's not really any break in that energy cycle and thus you don't have those those cravings, um, which is why people can fast for extended periods of time once they become fat adapted without feeling totally distraught as a result of not eating food very frequently. There are definitely a lot of opponents, um, a lot of people that say that you cannot do a ketogenic diet long-term because it's not optimal for hormonal health. Uh, or you lose some metabolic flexibility, so to speak, if you do not incorporate more carbohydrates. Um, when it comes to that, from a hormonal standpoint, a lot of people that have adverse hormonal effects after following a ketogenic diet are experiencing that not so much because they're following a ketogenic diet per se, but because 
with the removal of carbohydrates and the satiating nature of a higher fat diet, many people aren't consuming ample calories. Uh, so if they're not getting enough fuel coming in, their hormonal uh, shift will likely downregulate and that will have some adverse effects. So oftentimes clients will come to me, they've been chronically under eating for far too long and that's gonna be the primary driver for that drop in hormonal health. But if we bring those calories back up, they're taking in more fuel, all from ketogenic sources, but just more fuel in general, their body is able to you know, regain that hormonal balance and not really have the same issues. So I, I would argue it's more an issue with caloric intake and overall energy consumption, as opposed to the fact that they're following a ketogenic diet when it, when it comes to hormones. Um, and then with regard to losing metabolic flexibility, some people advocate that, hey, if you're not, eating carbohydrates and sugars on a regular basis and asking your body to be able to, you know, assimilate that nutrition, your body's going to lose its ability to do so. But in reality, there may be a, a, you know, just as you become keto adapted for the first time, there's a little bit of a shift there. Your body has to learn to use ketones and, and fat for fuel. So there may be a little bit of a, you know, transfer lag there, so to speak. But the same is true when you switch back to burning carbohydrates and glucose. Your body doesn't forget how to use glucose. It may be, you know, 24 hour, 48 hour shift, in which case you may not feel optimal, but then your body upregulates those pathways to use uh, carbohydrates and glucose. It's not like it forgets how to do so. Yeah. Do you remember that we were in some IV conference and he started to talk about how ketogenic diet has this huge increase in carnitine. But then he said, people who start a ketogenic diet need carnitine. And I went up to him and I said, you said sort of the opposite thing. And he said, well, yes, when you start a ketogenic diet, there's this massive requirement for carnitine. So you often people need to supplement. And then once they get to steady state, that ketogenic diet is upregulating carnitine, which helps the mitochondria and increase, improves energy. But in that gap, people often need to supplement right sort of at the outset. So before the mitochondria catch up. Yeah, there's definitely an upregulation in metabolic pathways once you do switch over to keto. Um, it's called like monocarboxylic transporters, MCT transporters. Those all upregulate to help shuttle lactate, pyruvate, and ketone bodies. So once that upregulation process occurs, you're able to clear lactate uh, much more efficiently. You have a higher lactate threshold, and you're just able to you know deliver those nutrients, deliver that energy source to the cells, to the brain much more efficiently. Uh, so yeah, the people that switch over to keto you know, they're, they're probably not going to feel their best self instantaneously, but once they have time to adapt, they feel much better typically, uh, which that ad adaptation process takes a little bit different length of time for each individual. Uh, but if your electrolytes are dialed in, if everything else is, is dialed in properly, you can usually start experiencing the benefits after uh, about a month or so. Crystal, you're, can we talk about you're pregnant now, right? Yes. Yeah. I'm 37 weeks now. Mm hmm Congratulations. Are you doing keto? And you look great. Yeah, you look, I mean, I said before we started, you don't have that pregnant face. It's amazing. You look fantastic. <laughs> well, thank you. Thanks. Um, yeah, yeah. I've remained keto uh, my entire pregnancy. Um, it's just, for me, it's like a lifestyle. So it's not something that I ever go on and off for. Robert mentioned that I've been doing keto for six years. Um, and I don't ever, I don't really feel the need or it necessary to have a whole bunch of carbs. Even in like the first trimester, people get some of those sweet cravings or um, they want something to settle their stomach. But I just find um, alternatives that that work really well for our life. Okay, yeah. I, I have to have, I have to do a disclaimer because we're, we're talking about pregnant women. So this is not for everybody. Okay, right. Like 
people talk that choose it, yes, but talk <laughs> to your doctor. We 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 can't go on the book saying that everybody should, every pregnant woman should be on keto. No. That that that's not good. No. I actually have a and Crystal. You, you can choose to uh, decline. not an, decline, not answer, but breastfeeding. Can you breastfeed like, keto? I'm assuming you can, but like have have there been a lot of women? And I'm assuming because if it, you have a mostly fat based diet. Uh, a lot of the hind milk is fat-based. So do kids actually get bigger, faster? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so I, I do have clients that I, I coach and I've um, helped a lot of women transition into keto even as they're breastfeeding. Um, and they do extremely well. And the, I think the the important part is just making sure that if you're going to make that choice, again, speak with your doctor, but also, um, you know, make it a slow transition. Make sure that you're getting plenty of calories in the first place. You still need lots of protein um, and then lots of fat as well, as well as um, keeping up with electrolytes and water and things like that. Um, but I have not seen a, a difference in the size of the child whether they're gaining more fat or more, you know, muscle or moving faster or moving slower, it's all pretty relatively about the same. All right. Let's talk about your like day to day. Like what does it mean to be on a keto diet? Like what are you actually eating? Because I think most people don't actually know what are, what are you actually eating? And or, are you intermittent fasting on top of that or in addition to that or not? Yeah. So intermittent fasting and keto kind of go hand in hand. I mean, when you switch over to fat and ketones, you don't have near the the hunger swings because your blood sugar and blood insulin are much more stable. So we'll typically eat, you know, two meals a day. Um, I'll do like a quote unquote fat fast in the morning hour. So I'll wake up, have a cup of coffee with some heavy cream. So I'm technically breaking my fast with that heavy cream because it does contain calories, but it's not really going to have much of an impact on blood sugar. So it's, it's kind of like a fat fast, they call it in the keto space. Um, so I'll have that. Crystal pretty much does something similar. And then we'll have our first meal after we train, we train in the morning. So our first meal is typically around lunchtime, somewhere between 10 and two. Um, and that consists of, um, you know, ground beef, eggs, chicken, uh, some vegetables, crystal likes yogurt. So something of that nature, basically just higher fat, moderate protein, very minimal carbohydrate. And then we'll typically have a second and final meal uh, in the evening hours. And that's pretty much a typical day for us. So yeah. not too much to overthink as far as the nutrition goes. A lot of people think of keto as being incredibly restrictive and hard to find foods to make work. But I mean, we just uh, take out the carbs, take out the bread and rice and the potatoes, and it's pretty easy to do. Yes. Mostly we just like to promote that it's a whole food diet. You know, we stick to a lot of animal based product and then um, add in some vegetables here and there. And that's pretty much, that's pretty much it. We're easy. So what vegetables work and what vegetables don't work in a ketogenic diet? Uh, usually your, all your lower glycemic index vegetables, so your dark leafy greens. Um, I don't eat a ton of vegetables. I kind of gravitate more towards the ketovore, carnivore end of the spectrum. I'll have vegetables on occasion. Like I, I do like some Brussels sprouts, broccoli, asparagus, things of that nature. Crystal will have that, yeah. berries, stuff like that. Yeah, every once in a while I'll do like a, just a small amount of berries, but I always pour like heavy cream on top because <laughs> it's real good. Um, but I'll, we'll have like a cauliflower mash or rice cauliflower or a salad or broccoli, Brussels sprouts, things like that. Um, mostly we just stick to the green, green vegetables, asparagus and things like that. Yeah. And just for listeners, things like carrots are probably out and beets and different zucchinis and things like that. 
So it depends who you ask in the keto space. There's a lot of controversy mm-hmm. right now. So some people say, hey, look, if, as long as you're registering blood you know, ketones, then you're technically in ketosis and there's no foods that are keto or not keto. As long as you're registering those blood ketones, you're, you're doing it right. So by that definition, which is much more lax, I can eat a banana and based off of my activity levels, you know, my body would burn through that glucose in the banana rel- relatively quickly and I'd be registering ketones in that same 24-hour period after consuming a banana. So some people might say that I can tolerate a banana in my ketogenic diet. But for me, I'm a much stricter version of the, you know, I'm not as loose with my my dietary choices because that banana is not doing anything to contribute to my overall health and betterment as it relates to being keto adapted. So I'll skip things like the bananas. I'll skip things like the carrots because there are a lot more natural sugars in there. Um, But I'll have, you know, like some I mean, what are some other vegetables that we we'll have? Like tomatoes. We do like do like a Raoul's tomato sauce. We just try to choose one with no added sugars to it. Um, but it's it's kind of up to each individual um, as far as what you're willing to do or not do. And again, like Robert said, we're a little bit more strict than some of the other people. But again, like I, I do have some berries every once in a while. And for some people, that's like a no, absolutely not. Um, but I feel OK with it compared or pairing it with a little bit of fat as well. So um, just some of those are going to be. Um, a good option for some people and then not for others. We don't do things like um, uh, squash and potatoes and things like that, whereas other people may use that and use it as like a, a carb up or um, a carb refeed or whatnot. But we don't really we don't really play around with that. What what are some of the common pitfalls people hit when they're in keto? Um, well, a lot of people just, they, like, they don't eat enough food because of the satiating nature of the ketogenic diet. Oftentimes there, there's a, there's been a big push lately. Uh, it's, it's interesting because I've been in the space so long that we've seen all these trends come and go. So about two years ago, the, the trend was incredibly high dietary fat, very minimal protein because everybody was scared of gluconeogenesis and they assumed that protein would turn into chocolate cake and once it hit their bloodstream, which is not the truth. Uh, and then now the exact opposite in the spectrum, protein's been given this halo and you see people just consuming protein in excess at the expense of not enough dietary fat. So really getting that ratio dialed in is is incredibly important because if you're trying to optimize from a ketogenic standpoint, and you're taking in far too much protein, not near enough dietary fat. You're not really going to have a great uh, energy level because protein is incredibly important, but it's not a great substrate for energy. Your body can use gluconeogenesis to create energy from that protein and, and amino acids, but it's not going to be an efficient process. So making sure you're taking an ample dietary fat and not overdoing the protein is also very important. So where, where are you guys getting the pro- fat? Oh, the fat? Um, we're getting that from the fattier cuts of meat that we consume from the animal products like the red meat, uh, fatty fish. We also we have a product that we make, which is largely based out of cacao butter. So cacao butter is the highest source of stearic acid, which is a very high quality dietary fat. Um, so that's an option for, that's, that's one of our sources of fat, but like olive oil, avocado oil, things of that nature. Okay. Cool. What happens at birthdays? I mean, so I, maybe we're the only ones where the family members like, but I made that for you, right? That emotional blackmail of how could you not eat my pasta dish, ravioli, cake, whatever. How do you navigate social events, particularly birthdays, weddings, the um, bachelor parties, bachelorette parties, when when people are behaving differently and expect to cut loose? What do you tell people? How do you do it yourselves? Or even alcohol. 
Cause well, right. He's like, go out drink. Well, you can drink vodka, right? That's is that kosher on a cut? Yeah, I mean, you could have a little bit of alcohol, so like vodka, you know, whiskey. Um, you just have to be careful what you're mixing it with, and then making sure that you're not like ordering a margarita or something like that. Yeah. You usually, just have it with like a club soda. You mean your fifth drink? <laughs> so four four vodkas, you were great, and then you're like oh, margarita. Fifth drink is the problem. <laughs> So how do you handle those events? Yeah. So when we I first started, I think for me, it was a little bit harder, um, especially when I would go visit my family and it's been a while since I've seen them and they have all those dishes that you've eaten your entire life. And then all of a sudden you're not partaking. So the first thing I do is make sure I'm set up for success and I will go to the store if someone has to drive me or if I need to go myself or whatever. Make sure that I have the food that's going to sustain me rather than trying to rely on them to provide what's going to work best for me. And then the second thing I think is just telling them that it's important for you and your health. Um, this is important to me in my journey. And I understand that you may have made that special for me or special for the family or whatever, but, um, but really it's not serving me and my body. So I'm going to choose to not have it. And if they have an issue, and it's probably more an issue with them and their connection to the food than it is you and your choices for your body. Um, and I think that t- that took a little bit of time to like navigate that and put those boundaries on. But once the boundaries were down, people didn't mess with it anymore. They just say, OK, Crystal, we'll bring your own whatever. <laughs> and it's just it's really helpful when you are able to put your foot down and just say, you know, that's not going to serve me well. So I'm going to choose to you know, bring my own thing or just not have that item. I would say I always, so I have celiac and I don't, I pretty much don't eat anything unless I can trace it from A to Z. And so I rarely ever eat in people's houses as a result. But I always say ahead of time, you know, I'm going to bring my own food. So I think it's really important to give people a heads up. So, cause you know, I've shown up places and like I cooked for you. I'm like, I can't eat any of that. So thank you but I have my own food. So I think not surprising people is really important so that they know ahead of time. And then I always bring my husband as emotional backup so that he he's like my uh, sort of support, emotional support dog. I almost said that. I was like, that's so terrible. I can't say that. No, like the, the, um, that he, it, sometimes I'll be a little lenient, you know, someone will put something in front of me and I'll be like, Oh, maybe. And he's like, no, no, not worth it. no, so bringing a buddy who can advocate on your behalf is often very helpful because you're you have no qualms about being the bad guy. You're like, nope, nope, not no. worth it. Well, because you have to live with me when I get <laughs> exactly. exposed. It's terrible. So, so yeah. I mean, I think bringing so setting good boundaries, telling people ahead of time, bringing food as needed, and then something you said, Crystal, that's so poignant is. Like you made it sound really casual. You know, I go to the store, I have someone take me, but those moments can be really challenging for people when you get somewhere and it's all busy and happy and you're trying to fit in, but prioritizing what you need is so critical. And and so what you're saying is you have permission and you should do it. You need to, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you really... If you feel like this is the best choice for you, whatever it may be, you know, maybe taking care of your celiac, maybe being keto, whatever it is, if you truly in the bottom of your heart feel like that's the right choice for you, stand behind yourself, you know, have have that backbone to say, 
this is what's going to work best for me. And and that is not going to do my body good. So, you know, what other alternative can I, can I make or what, what kind of choices can I make to make this a, the best situation for me? Is there any supplements you recommend? On, is there anything specific that you need on the ketogenic diet? Uh, I mean, everybody needs vitamin D, right? So that, that, because we don't work, don't get outside as much as our ancestors did. But is there anything specific for the ketogenic diet that you don't get that you need to supplement? Honestly, our supplementation is pretty minuscule. You're on some prenatal supplements, mm -hmm. um, but from a ketogenic standpoint, the only thing I would really recommend is just proper electrolyte intake. So a lot of people, you know, one gram of uh, glycogen holds about three grams of water. So when people first adopt a ketogenic diet, they oftentimes flush out a bunch of water weight. Uh, they lose that initial five to 10 pounds. And then that's probably why keto is so popular for a lot of these people that don't want to do short-term weight loss. Um, but when they do that, they flush out that water. The kidney is also flushing out all their electrolytes. So it's really beneficial to increase uh, supplemental sodium and potassium and magnesium once first adopting a ketogenic diet. And then also uh, probably just good habit to get into continuously after that. So probably increasing your sodium and potassium intake. But other than that, from a supplemental standpoint, I mean, we do vitamin D, creatine, but that's pretty much it. Yeah, we try to get most of our our minerals and vitamins and all that through our food. Um, so sometimes introducing some organ meats or things like that is a it's a good good choice. And I'm not an organ meat person, but I will eat some like liverwurst or even some desiccated capsules, and and that is really helpful. And then. Um, I think for anyone on any diet, being able to test those, get those tested and make sure that you're absorbing correctly, um, you know, with the food that you're ingesting, uh, no matter what diet you're on is, is a big benefit as well. I always thought it was counterintuitive that organ meat was so good for you because, I mean, think about it, your liver's cleaning out your toxins. So let's eat that organ. Makes no sense to me, but it's so good for you. All right. You have a new book. How is it doing? Hold on. I don't know. So what's the name? Oh, yeah, Come on. Give, give us some. <laughs> it's, uh, it's called Ketogenic Bodybuilding, uh, A Natural Athlete's Guide to Competitive Savagery. So basically, it's, it's all I've learned over the past seven years as ketogenic bodybuilder, past 14 years as a bodybuilder, um, and really how to optimize composition from a hormonal standpoint, from a health standpoint, from a longevity standpoint while leveraging the ketogenic diet for bodybuilding. Um, but I mean, the principles that I use in that book are the exact same principles I use for my clients that are also not bodybuilders. Um, so there's a lot, of, a lot of crossover there. I mean, it works, we're all human. So it works whether you're gonna compete and step on stage or not. Yeah, a lot of people are looking, a lot of people start keto, um, not as much for the lifestyle like Robert and I do, but they will start it for weight loss, um, which is, it, it can work for many, many, many people, um, but they'll start it as a fat loss thing. And sometimes it turns into their whole lifestyle, but um, he'll use, again, like the same principles he used in that book for uh, you know, his clients that are not bodybuilding. And um, even if you read some of the reviews, they're like, I am not a bodybuilder, but this was helpful because there's just a ton of information. I mean, it's a huge book, but it's, it's a, it's, yeah, it's awesome. It's, it's awesome. amazing. It, it's been truly a pleasure to have you guys on the podcast. Yes. I've, I've learned a lot. So thank you. Where can people find you? Um, so all of my stuff is going to be at Lady Savage. So uh, Instagram is the.lady.savage. Uh, my website is ladysavage.com. 
Um, and then I also have a Facebook uh, group that you can be a part of as well. Only if you're a female. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, mine's all things Keto Savage. So KetoSavage.com, Keto Savage on social. Um, yeah, Keto Savage for me. We'll put everything awesome. in the notes so people can find you both. So thanks for joining us for another episode of the Five Journeys podcast, Live Like You Matter. Our guests today were Crystal and Robert Sykes. Thanks for being here. Appreciate that. Thanks for having us. Don't go it alone. It's not a social journey until others join. Share this with your friends. <laughs>